And that's you. the best statement I've heard in a long time. <laughs> God bless you, you real good. Thank you. We'll be seated just a moment. I certainly appreciate that fine welcome. And I want to say also and to Dr. the Chairman and to Brother Bose and to the other, uh, Dr. Beelan, Dr. Beelan, that this has certainly been a pleasure for me to be here and to minister with you brothers in this fine fellowship. And only counted a deem it a privilege to get to come back again in the year to come. You've been very nice, and I certainly thank you all for your kindness and courtesy. I want to also say to all the people that's gathered here from different churches, you've been very nice and cooperative, and I appreciate you with all my heart, and hope that I can be a benefit to you sometime and a blessing to you. And in behalf of the Cato Tabernacle and its staff, I certainly thank them truly with all my heart that it's certainly been a great privilege to be here under the roof of this uh, great mammoth church here. I say this without hesitation. I believe this is the best acoustics and the best arranged church for a healing campaign that I ever walked into in my life. And I certainly appreciate their kindness of opening the doors to us. May the Lord bless them. And to Mr. Russell Ford and Cadle and the staff, I certainly thank you all, my brethren, with all my heart. And if ever I can be a blessing to you or a favor to you, why, just let me know. And I'm thinking of this, what it means and how Mr. Cadle, this memorial here of love and suffering and tears and prayer. But he and Mrs. Cadle has gone upstairs. And God rest their gallant soul is my prayer. We are deeming it a privilege to get into the tabernacle to continue the work along and help our part as Mr. and Ms. Cato labored so faithfully here in the church. And then we hope next year, by God's grace, for us all be back again. I trust that all the sick will be well and, and all the unsaved will be saved when we get again. And God bless you. I can't think of the, the minister's name who's been speaking these morning breakfasts, but I certainly have been really carried away by his messages. They've been certainly wonderful. Charles Weston. Charles Weston, I believe, from the West Coast. And he must have a wonderful church out there if he teaches that. And he's certainly a good teacher. God bless you all. And now, I believe they told me they'd taken an offering for me a few moments ago. Thank you. I never come for an offering. I told them they didn't have to do that. I just come to be a blessing to you. But I thank you. I have, well, four children and a wife, and I have a lot of expenses. My expenses runs about $100 a day, whether I'm working or whether I'm in the field or not, my office and so forth. And I'll assure you that every penny of it is some of your living and you've shared it with me. And I'll do my very best to spend every cent to the kingdom of God. And may he pay you a hundredfold is my prayer. Now, before we open the book, shall we speak to the author just a minute as we bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee tonight from the very depths of our innermost being for the love of Jesus Christ that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And now, tonight, at the ending of this great campaign and convention, we bow to give Thee thanks for all that Thou hast done. Bless everyone that's had a part in it. And we just thank Thee for the many, many things that You have done. Seeing the testimonies pouring in, Lord, of people going home and finding tumors gone, and garters missing, and all kinds of diseases and afflictions has been taken from them. We're so thankful for it. 
the souls above everything that's come with an uplifted heart to Thee and surrendered to Thee. We pray, Lord, that Thou will bless them abundantly through life, give them long life and eternal life in the world to come. Now we are opening Thy book, Father, the pages, and we pray that You will minister to us by the Holy Spirit. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's just a little late tonight, and we don't want to keep you long. I've got hundred and something miles to drive yet tonight. So I'd just like to say this. Now, I, I don't mean this through, through, for pastors and so forth. Many times when people says, write to me, send us a letter, sometimes there's something behind it that might be. I don't mean that to harm now. See, people's got radio broadcasts and so forth to support. But uh, I haven't anything like that. I try to keep my ministry little so that I can minister and not honor any burden. I don't have no paper, no, no nothing but just the Lord Jesus. <laughs> so I, he's my sufficiency. So I, but it, many times I noticed in the meeting there hasn't been any prayer calls laid up to be prayed over handkerchiefs and so forth. All of you believe that, don't you? It's, it's a scripture. And if you desire one, just write to me at Jeffersonville. I'll assure you you won't be done or anything. And it's all free. It don't cost you nothing. But we'd just be glad to do it. Sometimes people send us a little something to help us on stamps and um, claws and so forth. We have to buy. Each one I've prayed over and will send to you. We have a greater ministry in that than we do in anything else nearly. They send out thousands of them all over the world. And there's certainly... God has blessed our feeble efforts in this because it's obeying a scripture. Now, just write us this Jeffersonville, Indiana, and it'll come to me. The post office box is 325, but it's not necessary to have it. Just my name at Jeffersonville. It'll come. Now, quickly, we want to get right into the scripture. Pray for the sick and minister. And to all you dear people now, here it's come from... It was telling me back there, I believe, there was people here from... Many different places in the world. So we're happy. And especially I met the people from Africa. I hope to be ministering in Africa soon. Again, another great revival. And I say there's one thing you can do for me. That'll be the greatest help you can do. Will you do it? Say amen. amen. Pray for me. And that's the best I know. Remember, when the times are going hard and challenges are coming from witch doctors and everything else... I'll be depending on you. Know what the people will be praying for me as I minister. And if I never see you again this side of the river, I hope to meet you on the other side. So God be with you. As we read in God's Word and Exodus, the, the I mean Numbers, the 13th chapter, and beginning and reading the 30th verse, just for a little text to pull a little context. Out of the scripture, God willing, by the Holy Spirit, nothing premeditated, just waiting for unction. And I'll watch and not try to keep you very long if I can help it. And Caleb still the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Last evening, we have been speaking the last two evenings on Genesis the seed chapter, where God uh, planted the seed, and Satan planted the seed his. 
And they've both been growing together ever since. It'll soon be harvest time when the harvest will be reaped. Oh, if we just had a, about two or three weeks of good revival time here to go into some of these great things. I'm a typologist, and I, I like to type the, the shadows because if I know what the shadow looks like, I have some conception of what the reality looks like. So without an education, I had to uh, go to that, to shadows, the Old Testament, to sit foreshadow the new. And everything in the Old Testament speaks of Calvary. Everything. You're complete in Christ. And you're not saved because that you pack a crucifix. You're not saved because you go to church. You're not saved because you know your catechism or your textbook. You're not even saved because you know the Bible. You are saved because you know the person, Christ Jesus. To know Him is life. Not even to know His Word is life. But to know Him, the person, is life. There's only one way to know Him. That's to be born again of the Spirit of God. Now, we were studying last two evenings on Abraham, the great patriarch. And tonight, we're going over into the Exodus just for a short time. We left Abraham up on the mount where he had offered up the ram instead of Isaac. And he called the place Jehovah-Jireh. God told Abraham that his seed would sojourn in a strange land and would be in slavery bondage for 400 years, but then he would bring them out with a mighty hand. And we find that Isaac got Jacob and Jacob Joseph, and Joseph was betrayed of his brethren, perfect, beautiful type of the Lord Jesus, was taken down. Remember, he was loved by his father, hated by his brethren. And the only reason they hated him, because he was spiritual. He saw visions and could interpret dreams. And his brethren, they were good fundamental people, but they just couldn't see the supernatural side. And they hated him without a cause. Perfect type of Christ when he came. He was, uh, they hated him, the Jews, his brethren, because he was spiritual and had a spiritual understanding and could foretell or tell forth or know the secrets of their hearts and could tell them what happened to him, what their troubles was, and the Jews hated him for that cause. But he was of God. Then Joseph was uh, thrown into a ditch and supposedly to have been killed and was taken up from the ditch and went into the dungeon and Egypt and from there to the Pharaoh's right hand as Christ was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was sold almost 30 pieces of silver. Christ was thrown into the ditch, the grave, and was taken up and sits at the right hand of God, the Father. And everyone, no one rather, could come to Pharaoh without first coming through by Joseph. No man can come to God except by Christ, the Son of God. And there was a proclamation made that at Joseph could bind Pharaoh's servants at his own pleasure. And another thing that when Joseph went forth in the chariot, callers went before him saying, Bow the knee, everybody, for Joseph is appearing. And when Jesus comes, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Friend, you're going to pray sometime. 
you're going to confess Jesus sometime, either as your Savior now and meet Him in peace, or as your judge at that day, to meet Him when the wrath of God will be your destination. Notice that after sojourning, how Isaac was brought down, or Jacob rather, and he died down in Egypt and was brought back into Palestine and buried. Joseph died, and when he died, he left a, a sign to all the Israelites that said, Don't bury my bones down here. I like that. Did you ever notice last night we had just a little in between the line? Here's just a little in between the line. Will you bear with me a moment on it? A little in between the line. Look, they were prophets. That's the reason they could see these things. It wasn't written. It, neither is it written now. But they were prophets and could foresee it. Now, notice. When Joel, the patriarch, died at the end of his great tribulation... I just love the book of Job. Many people just pass by that. That's got every, the full gospel in it. The book of Job. All of his trials. I preached on it in my tabernacle for a year and something. And when I got Job over to the ash heap, I had him there about six weeks. A lady was, didn't want to come up to my face and tell me. She wrote me a letter and said, Brother Branham, when you go get Job off the ash heap? So... But oh my, what all tied into that. That great patriarch standing there. And he was trying to find somewhere to go to the house of God and knock on the door. And have a little interview with God. And Elihu came down and tried to tell him that he was wrong. And how that there was coming a just one who would put his hands on a sinful man and a holy God and bridge the way. And when Job... The Spirit come on Job. He raised up and he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And the last days he'll stand on the earth and though the skin worms destroy us, this body yet in my flesh shall I see God. The thunders roared, the lightnings flashed. Notice what he said. In the last days, I know my Redeemer liveth. Continuation. And at the last days, he's to stand up on the earth. Though the skin worms destroy this body, <clears throat> pardon me, yet in my flesh <clears throat> shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. Mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Now, they all knew that Job being a prophet, that if Job was going to see the Redeemer stand on the earth in the last days, the patriarchs, through revelation, knew that they would seem too. So Job, where he was buried, many hours we could put on the subject, but to hit the high places, along come Abraham, and when Sarah died, Abraham specified a place and bought a parcel of ground. Did you ever check where it is at? Same place Job was buried. Then when Abraham died... He was buried with Sarah. Abraham begot Isaac. When Isaac died, he was buried with Abraham. Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob died way down in Egypt. But before he died, knowing his spiritual son, Joseph, being a prophet, said, Joseph, 
come here and put your hand on the hip where the angel of the Lord touched him as a great man, strong on this side of the river. He was a great, strong supplanter, but on the other side of the river, he was a limping prince. He got the prince name from supplanter to Israel. Then he put his hand on there and he said, Swear by the God of heaven that you'll not bury my bones down here in Egypt. Why? What difference does it make where you're buried? He said, Swear by the God of our fathers, Abraham and Isaac, that you'll not bury my bones down here, but take me back to the homeland. Why? Joseph, when he died... Years later, Jacob was taken back, buried with Abraham. Joseph, when he died, he said, Don't bury my bones down here. Why? He said, Take my bones when you go out and bury them up in the promised land. Why? They knew that at the resurrection, the first fruits of the resurrection, that Jesus was coming. And when he come and they did for him what they said... And on Easter morning when he rose up, Matthew 27, the Bible said that many of the bodies of the saints that slept in the dust of the earth come out of the graves at the resurrection and entered into glory with him. Who was it? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. See, he, they were spiritual and they had a discernment. That they know that resurrection was not going to take place down in Egypt. It was going to take place in the promised land. And brethren, tonight, I know from leaving the Baptist church and so forth, I got a lot of criticism and so forth, but I've seen the spiritual meaning of the coming of the Lord for those that are in Christ. Will God bring with Him at the resurrection? You can have all your fantastics you want to and all your big denominations, but bury me in Christ. For them that are in Christ, God will bring with him at the resurrection. Between the lines. You sit. Then, finally, there came the time of the exodus. The exodus means the calling out or the separation. It come a time where God had to separate his people. They were in bondage. A beautiful type of today. I think the very ch word church means the called out. And there's an exodus going on in the world today. Do you believe it? God calling out a people for His name's sake out of the Gentiles. The days of the Jews is soon at hand. The Gentile days over then. See? When the gospel turns to the Jew, the Gentile dispensation's finished. Oh, I just know that it's bound to be soon. Every sign pointing to it. Notice the exodus, the calling out. So God, when He got ready to do this, there was nothing in the world that man could do or put a hand on. God did it Himself. So no matter how much we try to say, this organization will do it, this denomination will do it, God will do it. That's the only one that can do it. It'll be the sovereign grace of God that'll come down and unite the churches together, the called out, and we'll have an exodus, a going out. 
Watch how God did it. Very strange. They brought a man and woman, a righteous man of God. They brought forth a little boy and they named him Moses. And when he became the age of 40, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Esteeming the treasures of Christ, greater riches than that of Egypt. He was Pharaoh's son and had his foot on the throne. But if Pharaoh could only examine the Word of God, he certainly would have not done what he did. Now, I'm sure tonight, sinner friend, if you would examine the Word of God, you'd be careful what you said and done. How that Pharaoh thought, surely I'm all secured. But Moses, being spiritual, understood that God was going to take the children of Israel out and he called him to do it. Now, he tried it in himself. That's what's the matter with a lot of people today. You try to bring healing to yourself. You try to work up your own salvation. That won't work. It just won't do it. Joining churches and signing papers and putting pledges in, that's not God's program. That's religion, but it's not salvation. Notice, he failed, miserably failed, and run into the desert for another 40 years while God had him back on the backside of the desert where he married this Ethiopian woman, Zipporah, and she was high-tempered. Moses was too, so I guess there's some little trouble on the backside of the desert once in a while. Don't turn your wife down because she's got a little temper. Maybe that's your cross. God might have given it to kind of keep you lined up. Same thing with you women to your husband. Stick together. Promise God you would, so stay with it. Notice, I'm a person who don't believe in marriage and divorce. You know that. So, Look, my brother, if you went at that more prayerfully, there'd be less of it. Now, Moses now was 80 years old. Instead of being a deliverer, it looked like all hopes is gone. And he was a sheep herder for his father-in-law. My, way back on the backside of the desert one morning, walking along when the sun was coming up, and he looked over and he seen a bush burning. God always gives something to attract the attention of the believer. So he stepped aside, not to criticize or not to analyze, not to pull some of the leaves off and take it down to the laboratory to see why them leaves didn't burn. He stepped aside at this burning fire to kind of reverently, he approached it. God said, take off your shoes, Moses, for the ground you stand is holy ground. That's what it is today, the reason that gifts and the church, the reason people don't get very much today is because it's irreverent. You approach it. You've got to come to it with a full, surrendered, made-up mind. Amen. When you come to God, don't just haphazardly come up and beat on the altar and chew the chewing gum. That's not the way to come to God. Come just as sane as you can come and mean what you're talking about. God will receive you. Notice, said Moses, I've seen the suffering of my people. I've remembered my promise. I love that. God always remembers every promise he made. And I'm going to send you right back down. And Moses began to complain. But he said, show me your glory. And God showed Moses his glory. 
and he was ready to go. And all the 40 years of training his dear mother gave him on theology, and all that he had learned out of all the textbooks, he made a failure out of it, and in five minutes' time surrendered in the presence of the fire of God. He is better equipped than all the equipment in the world can make him. And I say today that what our seminaries and preachers need is not a great long education, several years of schooling. They need to come in the presence of the living God and get a revelation of His divine will and His power. And approach it not in a critical standpoint. My church don't believe it. Take off your shoes when you approach it. Come to it reverent. God can do some of the most ridiculous things to the human mind. Watch your carnal mind. What would he say about this the next morning? Here come Moses, runs home and gets Zipporah. Set her straddle of a mule with a kid on each hip. A stick in his hand, an old man, 80 years old. Whiskers hanging way down. Long hair hanging down. Leading a little old donkey along, pulling him along with a rope. And his wife sitting on the mule with a child on each hip. Where are you going, Moses? Going down to Egypt to take over. How ridiculous. A one-man invasion. Right. But the beauty of it was he did it. Why? God said so. Don't make any difference how unreal it seems or how unreasonable it seems. Don't try to figure it out. Just obey what God said do. You can take over the circumstance tonight if you wish to. God said so. You can take and control every disease that's in this body. God said so. And he did it. And God will do it again. When he gives a promise, he'll stand behind it. What kind of a weapon are you going to use? Remember, Pharaoh's got a lot of chariots and swordmen and horsemen and everything like that. He had a crooked stick in his hand. What's in your hand? You might not be able to whistle, but you can do something. Whatsoever's in your hand, use it to the glory of God. Give it to him and let him bless it and watch what takes place. Certainly, no matter what it is, it may seem little and insignificant to you, but give it over to God one time. The little boy had a lunch. It wasn't very much to him. But once in the hands of Jesus, it fed 5,000, taking a baskets full. Whatever you got to do, do it. What little faith you got, press it in the outer and put it on the cross of Calvary and believe God's promise for it and watch what takes place. How to multiply. Certainly. How ridiculous it seemed. This old man. Whiskers all over his face. Yep, going down. Where are you going, boy? Down to Egypt. What are you going to do? Take over. And he did it. Went on down and took over. He brought the children of Israel out of bondage. On the road out, God showed signs and wonders. Every time you see a man, any time in the Bible that's ever had a touch of God, signs and wonders follow. Jesus promised the same thing. These signs shall follow them that believe to the end of the world. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents or drink deadly things that wouldn't harm them. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. What you think today, a sign of a believer is a DD, PhD, LLD, something like that. But Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. The supernatural signs. Our ecclesiastical things won't work. You try to do it in yourself. Like Saul was one time. Backed up there in Goliath on the other side of the hill, threatening. And all of them are scared to death. But the wrong man come into camp for Goliath one day. A little scrawny looking fellow stooped over shoulders of sheepskin coat on called David. 
He said, do you mean to tell me that you let that uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God? He said, I'll go fight him. Oh, what a, what a courage. Why? He had been somewhere. He'd had some experience. Saul said, come here, son. I'll put my armor on you. And he put a big armor on him, a helmet. The poor little fellow's probably bow-legged. That's what's the matter at the church today. And the pastor, you load him down with so many degrees and things till he's bow-legged and don't know what to do. Saul found out one thing. That's right. Try to school him and educate him. Worse off, take him over to seminary and take all out of him. God put in him. That's right. David looked around. He found Saul found out that ecclesiastical vest of his didn't fit a man of God. That's right. So we find little old David. said, take the thing off. I've never proved it. But I had an experience one time. That's what I'm going with. That's what the church needs today is a genuine, no-show experience that you can step out. Make that a difference. Yes. Right on awning of the Holy Ghost. You believe it? Yes. yes, sir. He said, I know one thing. I took this slingshot and a bear on to get one of the lambs and I killed him. A lion come in, I took him and said, so will that uncircumcised Philistine. He knew what he was talking about. That's what man has had experience tonight knows what they're talking about. That's what reason Moses go down there. No matter how ridiculous it looked to the world, Moses knew what he was talking about. He'd been in the presence of God. And any man that's had that kind of an experience know what you're talking about. Let the world call you a holy roller, fanatic, or whatever they want to. Don't make you no difference anyhow. One anyhow. you got one thing to do. Jesus had one thing to do to fulfill the Father's will. you got the same thing to do. All right. We find out Sometimes God lets us get in trouble just to show His love to us. Look at them after they come out of Egypt. We had time to strike those great places and take weeks. But let's watch when they come out of Egypt. Here they are with their marching right on. And the first thing you know, they find themselves cornered. Ma, they woke up one morning to look back. There was the mountains on one side, the Red Sea and the desert. Pharaoh's army coming, pursuing them. Well, all nature was trembling under them. Not a thing could be done. God let them get in that kind of a tight place to reveal Himself to them. I think lots of times today, the reason we get in tight places is God wants to reveal and to show us His love and to prove to us that He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and His power still is the same. Certainly. Notice Him. First thing you know, Moses began to pray. Walked down towards the Red Sea, made his step, and the Lord sent down a wind, and it blew a path right across the Red Sea. Oh, how God always makes a way of escape. Every trial, He'll make a way. Stand still. Don't go to jumping about and getting scared. Stand still. He said, and know that I am God. And when the trials get hard, remember, it's God sometimes trying to demonstrate His love to you. But remember, no matter how many Red Seas, God's path went through it. God le- Isn't it strange how God leads His children? Some through the waters and some through the floods, some through deep trials, but all through the blood. God leads His children. No matter what gets in its way, it'll, He'll have to get out of the way. It'll have to give away to God. And when they crossed over the river, they had a great big Pentecostal jubilee, a camp meeting. Well, if that wasn't a Pentecostal meeting, I've never seen one. Moses sung in the Spirit, and Miriam and all the women 
beat tambourines and danced in the spirit of that day Pentecost. I never seen one. Right? God promised He'd supply all their needs in that journey. He promised us He'd supply all our needs in the journey. The same God by the same promise. Same God made the promise. And we find out that when they got out there a little ways, they didn't have any bread. God rained bread down out of heaven for them. It was called manna. And we went out to taste it in it. They said it was sweet. And that was a very beautiful type of the Holy Spirit. Our life, that was natural bread for the natural man to journey on. We got spiritual bread for the spiritual man to journey on. And look, that was never ceased as long as they were in the journey. And Moses told Aaron, said, after the journey even, go lay up several omers full. That in all generations, when a priest is ordained into the ministry, he could go into the holiest of holies and get a mouthful of the original manna that fell in the beginning. What a beautiful type of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit first fell on Pentecost, Peter told them, said, This is that that was spoke of by the prophet Joel. I've often thought, if this ain't that, I'm going to keep this till that comes. <laughs> I kind of like this. This will do till that comes if it isn't that. <laughs> but I believe this is that. <laughs> Notice. And when they were all eating that manna, they got drunk. Just as drunk as they could be. And was staggering like drunk man. And listen, my Catholic friend, the Virgin Mary was with them. <laughs> And if she had to get that before she entered heaven, how much more are you going to have to have it? That's right. You know what's the trouble today? The reason we're so allergic to so many things, we don't get drunk enough. You believe that? I believe it was William Booth Cliburn one time said in the early Salvation Army days in England. He missed his train one night and had to walk up and down the streets. And he walked with a cop. Been raining and an old drunk was laying in the street just as drunk and froze to the street. And he said, uh, call a paddy wagon. He come, picked up the drunk and pushed him in there. So what do you do with him? Well, he said, we'll take him down and throw him in the jug. He said, well, what? Just, ain't you going to take care of him? He said, he don't need no help. Well, I said, the man will take pneumonia. He said, I guess then if you took him out to the Salvation Army, you'd pat him a little while and warm him up and give him hot coffee and a hot bath and all these things. He said, sure. So that's the reason you kill him. He said, you know what? said, you people don't understand, but that man's so drunk and every pore of his skin's filled with whiskey. said, the cake no cold get into him. And the Bible said, be not drunk upon strong drinks which is to access, but be drunk on the Spirit. What's the matter today? We ought to get so drunk that our carcasses will be so full of the Holy Ghost until nothing else can pass in its way. Some of it is that we don't get on a good old-fashioned Pentecostal drunk. Amen. That's right. Notice, in the journey, God said He'd supply everything they had need of. And they went to taste of that manna, and it tasted like honey. Did you ever taste any of it in the spiritual line? I believe somebody said it, a poet said it tastes like honey in the rock. David said it. You know, David was a shepherd. He herded sheep. And the shepherds always carried a script bag on their side. They had honey in it. And whenever one of their sheep would get sick, 
they'd put the honey on the rock and let the six sheep go and lick this honey. And while he was licking the honey, he'd lick the limestone off the rock and get healed. Brother, I got a whole script bag full of it here tonight. And I'm going to put it on the rock, Christ Jesus, and you six sheep get to licking your shore to find something. Uh, we won't put it on any denomination. We're going to put it where it belongs on Christ. Rock of ages. That's the one to lick from. You're sure to get something when you go to licking there. So just start licking right quick. Watch how diseases go to vanishing. When you lick the honey off of God's rock, Christ Jesus, that's the word off the rock. Find out what takes place. What they need today, what the church needs, a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. We need a fire back. About the only fire we got in the church nowadays is in the basement. That's right. When I was a little boy, my brother and I, we went out one time, we seen an old terrapin, turtle. We Indiana people know what they are. Walk funny, and we little kids, we thought, say, that's a funny-looking thing. So I said, let's go to him. And as soon as he got up to him, he pulled himself back in a hole. Puts him in the mind when you really go to put the gospel down. How <laughs> oh, them old mossbacks get back in that hole. Oh, don't believe it. These are miracles just passed. Oh, it is. So I said, I'll, I'll fix him. I went and got me a long switch and cut it. I poured it on him. That didn't do no good. He just laid there. You can't beat it into him. That's right. Right. I said, I'll fix him. I took him down to the creek, uh, put him down in the creek. Just a few bubbles come up. That was all. Brother, you can baptize him face forward, backward, any way you want to. It don't do a bit of good. Right. You know how I made him walk? I built me a little fire and set the old boy on it. He walked then. That's right. What the church needs tonight is a good old-fashioned baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it'll move for God. You could just only get it on the fire. That's true. How the God made a way. All these signs and wonders. And then they came to Kadesh. Oh, there's so much there we would like to go into, but time just won't permit it. We want to pray for the sick in a few minutes. When he got into Kadesh, the judgment seat. Then the testing time come. So I want you to notice... After all the great miracles and things, they were just ready to go over and possess the land. And the testing time come. And they were afraid to go. And I think, brethren, today, what's the matter? The church is at its end of its great doctors and theology. I think it's testing time for the church. And just before going in, they sent 12 spies over and they come back. And when they did, ten of the spies said, Oh, it's a good land. All twelve said it's good. Said it had a bunch of grapes cut out that two men could pack. And they said, It's flowing with milk and honey. I imagine that'd be a pretty good bait, don't you? Milk and honey? That would make a good Pentecostal cocktail, wouldn't it? <laughs> Amen! Wine, milk, and honey stirred together. <laughs> Talk about vitamins. That's more than the drugstore ever did have. <laughs> Certainly. Said it's flowing with milk and honey. But he said, ten of them said, Oh, but brethren, we just can't do it. It's all walled up. It's impossible. The denominations are so high. I'm telling you, you just can't pierce them. 
But one little old fella, know what he was talking about, two of them, Caleb and Joshua, said, we can take it. Hey, man. That's what it is today. He said, can you have an interdenominational, old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled revival? Certainly we can. Can we have divine healing? Certainly we can. Can we have divine healing in the Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist churches? Certainly we can. God said so. That man was looking at the circumstances. And Caleb and Joshua was looking at the Word of God. That made the difference. If you go to look at the circumstances around you, you'll faint. But if you'll take your eyes off the circumstances and look at what God said about it. Oh, you say, but Brother Brenham, the doctor told me I had cancer. Yes, that's all right. But God said, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. Now, what about that? You know, Moses led that group of children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness, over 2 million. How many babies was born every night? How many people got legs broken, everything else traveling? The sickness and diseases among them. And when he brought them out in 40 years, there wasn't one feeble one among them. Say, wouldn't you, some of you doctors here tonight like to look at his medicine kit and find out what he had in there, what prescription he give them all? How did Dr. Moses make all them trips every night to childbirth and old and afflicted and everything? How'd he do it? Would you like to look at Moses' uh, medicine kit? How many like to see it? Let's see your hand. All right, we'll turn right over and see what it's in. Here's his prescription. I found it. I'm the Lord that healeth all of thy diseases. That's what he gave every one of them. That's all they needed. I'm the Lord that healeth all of thy diseases. And two million people made a 40-year journey without one feeble one coming out. Hallelujah. God still lives and reigns and he's still God. He's as much Jehovah tonight as he was Jehovah then. Amen. Come back. God leading his dear children. Oh, I just hate to stop, but I got to cut off. But do you believe God leads His children? Spirit-led, Spirit-filled. Why do you come in here? What are you here for tonight? To be seen? Not in this hot place you wasn't. You come for one purpose. The Holy Spirit led you here. God leads even His animal life. Do you believe that? Here not long ago, you might have heard it in the magazines. I love wild animals. And... Um, I was sitting on my porch with my student ministers down here, Mr. Mercer and Mr. Gold, I, the tape boys, and they come up there and we talk. We're sitting on the porch speaking about last July, early one morning, coming down the road, come an old possum. And she was crawling along and come all past four houses that didn't have any fences or gates and come to mine that had a fence and a gate and turned in. I said, I know, anyone knows animal life has studied it. A possum's blind in the daytime. They prowl at night. And I said, look at her. She's probably got rabies. And uh, Mr. Woods here, the book salesman, he had been out in the yard raking there. So he, there's a yard rake laying there. And I took the yard rake and went out and threw it over the old possum. And I said, well, I suppose. I said, oh, look, her left shoulder was all broke, mashed up, been chewed by the dogs or by a car. And I hope this doesn't make you sick, but 
Maggots was all over it and green blowflies. I said, poor old things are dying. And I happened to notice and I started to raise it up and she was, usually they play possum. But when I raised it up, she took out for the house. And I threw the rake over again, a yard rake. And I found out that she, there's only two animals in the world that has pockets. That's kangaroo and possum. They pack their little ones in it. So when her pocket let down, she had nine little naked baby possums about that long. Well, the day before that, Leo and Jean and I were talking. A piece of paper where a young, lovely-looking colored girl had given birth to a baby, an illegitimate child. She wrapped it in a blanket and put water around it and smothered the child to death, tuck it out on the bridge in a taxi cab and dropped it off in the river. And the authorities had caught it. We were talking about how cruel that was. And I said, this mother possum is a better mother being a dumb brute than that woman was. That's right. Got better morals than that woman. And so we were talking and Mr. Woods come up and Mrs. Woods and Mr. Gilmore, he come in. We was talking about it. As soon as I let that possum up, she tuck off towards the house as hard as she could go. And I said, look, she's only got about maybe 30 minutes more to live. But she'll spend that 30 minutes fighting for those little babies to live. And that woman won't have drowned hers. I said, that's real motherly love. So the poor old thing got right up to my steps and toppled over, exhausted. So I went there and I punched her. I said, she's dead. Uh, I seen her after punch a little bit. I said, no, she's got life in her. Well, Mrs. Woods, Mr. Woods' wife, sort of a veterinary. She was standing there. She said, well, Brother Branham, the only thing to do with her now is... Let's go kill her and kill them little possums. Said they're too little in the round mouth. Anyhow, you couldn't put them on a bottle. Said you just don't let them suffer. And those little possums are trying to nurse that dead mother. And I said, oh my, that's too bad. I said, kill her. Said yes. Oh, I said I can't kill her. And he said, uh, I said, well, why? I said I don't know. She said, well, you're a hunter. I said yes, but I'm not a killer. I said I, I. Can't kill her somehow. She said, Well, let my husband Banks go kill her. I said, Go get one of your guns and kill her. I said, I just can't do it. I don't know why. I said, You go let that poor thing lay there in that hot sun all day long like that, and that poor little baby is uh, nursing that old milk from her like that and die a death like that. I said, Sister Woods, I, I know you're right, but I, I just can't do it. So all day it was pretty heavy, and around the house, the people coming and that night, Mr. Woods come up and said, Now, look, Billy, you've got to go out and take a little rest. So he and his wife, me and my wife, we took a little ride. And, uh, we come from there run over a little old dog. And I had him to stop. And I went back and picked it up. Mangy and fleas and lice all over him. And my wife said, I guess you're going to keep it. I said, Yes, ma'am. Oh, she said, Kill that dog. Honey said, The thing is dying anyhow. I said, I'm going to pray for him. I said, He's little and he ought to live. Ain't nothing wrong with him. So he's a great big fine collie now. So, you know, God does that. Sure does. So then we find out when we went in that night about 11 o'clock, I told the lights, there lay the old mother possum stretched out. Brother Wood said, well now, Brother Brandon, you've hunted enough to know, and hunted possums enough to know, when the sun went down, if there's any, that possum is ever going to raise, it would have raised then. And you know that too, you people who know possums. Said she'd have raised right then, but said... She'll never raise them more. She's done. I said, I believe do county all over and have little possums still nursing. Mr. Woods said, Brother Branham, are you going to let that suffer like that? And I said, I don't know, Sister Woods. I just can't kill it. Billy come in, been fishing somewhere, come in about one o'clock. Throw the light 
on the old possum. There she lay. All night I thought about that old possum. Next morning I went out. I've got a little girl. She's ten years old, and she's just saw her first vision recently. A very spiritual child, and I found her going out on the porch with her little pajamas on about six thirty in the morning. I went out there and looked over the side, laying there by the door. There lay the old possum stretched out, and them little ones still trying to nurse. Becky said, "Daddy, is she dead?" And I said, "I don't know, honey." She said, "Daddy, why you go do with that poor old mother possum?" And I said, "Honey, I don't know. You go on back to bed, sweetheart." I said, "It's too early for you to be out." She said, "Daddy, I've been thinking about that possum all night." I said, "So have I." And she said, "Well, what do you go to do with it? Go let Brother Woods kill it?" I said, "No, honey, I just can't do that." I said, "You run on back to bed now." And I went out and punched her, and looked like she didn't move. And I tried a little bit, and I seen she was still alive, oh. But oh my, that big old leg is all swollen up and maggots and flies all over. And I said, "Poor old thing." I went back into the side room, to my den room. I just sat down there where the sick comes to be prayed for, and I was just rubbing my head like this. And I thought, "Well, what am I going to do with that possum? I got to do something. That's a shame. And something now, I don't know how you go to believe this. That's up to you and God." I heard something say, "Well, she's waited at your door." For 24 hours, like a lady, you preached about her yesterday and took a text and said she's a real mother. She wanted to raise her babies, and I've had her laying at your door for 24 hours. You've never said a thing about it. Well, I said I didn't know. What do you mean? I said she come to be prayed for. She's waiting for her turn. I said, well, I didn't know she come. Oh, what's the matter with me? Am I talking to myself? Well, I thought, what is that? Now I recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit. I opened the door and went out there, and I stood by her. I said, "Heavenly Father," Becky was looking down at her. I said, "Heavenly Father, have I been so stupid to know that you, with your divine grace?" I said, "Now wait a minute. Yes, you know the birds of the air. You know all things. You know all." And why、well, I said, "Then this old possum knows more about divine healing than a lot of preachers does." And I said. Here she is, and now she ain't got no soul. So it encouraged me. You told me go pray for sick, and I've seen many times sick people be led. But if you thought enough of the respects of that old possum for her to raise her babies, and you had to pull, have the Holy Spirit to bring her, cause she didn't have any soul. She's a dumb brute, and she come and laid there as a mother dying. Waiting for her turn to be prayed for, I said, "God forgive me for being so stupid." I said, "Now, Heavenly Father, I pray if that be the case that you heal the old possum." I asked it in Jesus' name. If you sent the old thing from the road or wherever she's chewed up and her laying there, and she wants to raise her babies, and you sent her here to be prayed for and let her in here, well, I said, "I'm sorry, I didn't understand it." So I pray that she'll be healed in Jesus' name. And no more. I said that the old possum turned over and looked at me. Got up, picked up her nine little babies and put them right back in her bosom like this. They looked up to me as if to say, "Thank you, kind sir." Stuck that tail up in the air and right down the road and over to the woods as much as hard as she could. That's right. <laughs> Newspapers just packed them articles. All places, my local papers packed it. The magazines just packed it. People sent from Germany even saying, "Brother Branham, pray for me like he did that possum." <laughs> Look, if God can lead a dumb brute, how much more can He lead you here?
surely we ought to know as much about God as a dumb brute being smart, Holy Spirit filled, born again, God working in His nature, performing signs? Well, you take in the ducks. They go from the north. They go from the south up in the north and lay their eggs up there and hatch out their little ducklings. They've never been off that pond. Let the first little cold breeze come down off that pond, off the mountain, the frost. When I'm going hunting in the north in the wintertime, fall year around September, the first freeze comes on top of the mountain. That cold breeze blows down. You know what? There's a little old drake in that bunch that's been selected. And he'll run right out in the middle of that pond, stick that little honker up in there and honk four or five times. And every duck on the pond will come to him. Yeah, ducks know their leaders, but man don't. And that little old duck was born on that pond, but he'll raise right straight up off that pond and go just as straight to Louisiana rice fields as he can go. Instinct, they call it. Well, if uh, we ought to have duck sense, if God has given a duck instinct to take him out of danger, how much more do you give a man the Holy Ghost to take him out of danger? Surely we know as much as a duck. By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the trouble of it is, brother, God performs signs and shows wonders. And we sit back and wonder whether that copes with our theology or not. That's the reason He can't lead us today. And that's the reason we're walking around in circles like Israel did for 40 years. What we need to do is take out after God's Holy Spirit and the pillar of fire again. And move into the promise of every divine promise in the Bible belongs to you. And it's your personal property if you believe it. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that tonight, friend? With all your heart? God leading, even showing through dumb brutes, His love to His creation. He loves you better than He does a dumb brute. How much better are you than the dumb brute? How much more Jesus died for you than He would for a dumb brute? And He wants to heal you. A, that old possum didn't even have a limp in that leg. She just walked out of there just as good as anything, perfectly normal and well. Oh my. When you think of the love of God and the sovereignty of God, how that God does all things and leads us. Now He's sure tonight. He's sure to show His blessings. He's sure to show His power. He loves to show His power. He puts His children in corners so that He can show His power, His love. How different from that in the train of the day. Say, God gives you sickness to make you lay with patience. If that's so, then Christ defeated his own purpose when he healed the sick. See, he didn't do it. God takes the sickness off of you. To, sometimes he might permit sickness to come to heal you, to show his love to you. That's right. He might do that. You get out of his will. Now, if God will come tonight and show his power, will you believe on him, all of you? Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, knowing that the hour is growing late, makes us nervous as we know that people has to drive hundreds of miles and the hour is close at hand the meeting's closing lord tonight many sick people are sitting around oh christ i pray that somehow that you'll move their faith up to thee just now may each and every one of them be healed tonight from the greatest to the least and from the oldest to the youngest and from the very worst type of sickness down to every little minor ailment. Grant, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will now, as it was, spread forth wings of power over this building to illuminate this being the last hour of the meeting. That faith will rise in this place till all the people will know that you live and rule and reign.
grant it for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I hate to be pressed of time and hurry and so forth, but we got to quieten for this healing service. <clears throat> now, my friend, I love you. I want to tell you goodbye now. Well, if the Holy Spirit comes, I won't be able to do it afterwards because it weakens me. And I'm going to tell my brethren to let me stand in the line just as long as there's a hardly breath in me tonight to pray for every person that I possibly can in the line tonight. I've got a few days. I've got to dedicate a church Sunday, and then I'm going up to the Christian businessman, not for a healing service, for a speaking service. Then I'm going into Canada to take a word to a woman. At eight years ago, being way in her 40s, I saw a vision of her packing a baby. And I told her. She went for years, five or six years. She began to kind of doubt. She's 53 now. Her baby's to be born next month. God never lies. 53 years old. I've never seen it fail. And it won't fail. I'll fail. My words are fail. I'm a man. But when God says anything, that settles it forever. Now... That's in the Bible. You said that was wrote years ago. But his word is just as real tonight as it, as it was when he spoke it before the foundation of the world. Now, is there anybody here that's never been in one of our meetings? Would you raise your hand just a moment? Thank you. Pardon me for drinking before you, but... I just want for the newcomers to say this. Would you like to see Jesus, you newcomers? This never. Would you like to see him? You would? Well, if he's not dead, why can't we see him? When he said we would see him. A little while in the world won't see me no more, yet you'll see me. For I'll be with you to the end of the world. Is that right? Oh, why can't we see him? He said the same things that I do shall you also. What did he do? Did he claim to be a healer? No. What did he do? He never said... In St. John 5, 19, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. How many knows he said that? How many's read it? I can do nothing of myself, but what the Father shows me, what the Father shows me that I do. Now, Jesus didn't do nothing until he saw it by vision then, according to his own words. How many believes that's true? Say, Amen. He saw vision. And what the vision told him, that's what he done. Now, in the beginning of his ministry, I'll take one, one place. When it's all through his ministry, he was preaching. And a man went off by the name of Philip to find his friend Nathaniel, found him, brought him back, way away on the mountains from him. When he come to Jesus, Jesus said, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. He said, When did you know me, Rabbi? He said, before Philip called you, when he was under the tree, I saw you. He said, thou art the Son of God. He said, because I told you that, do you believe? He said, you'll see greater things than this. When he was here on earth, he was able, people could touch him. Now, a lot of people touched him and didn't get healed. But those who touched him, a woman did one day, went off and he said, who touched me? He said, everybody denied it. Nobody touched you. He said, well, somebody touched me because I got weak. Virtue went out of me. So he looked around until he found the woman. Told her her blood issue was over. At the woman at the well. How he sat there and talked to her. That was a Samaritan woman. Now the Jews recognized him to be the son of God. 
because he had power to see visions as the Father would show him and tell him what to do. Now, he never performed one miracle himself. He said, I do nothing except the Father shows me first. How many knows that's a scripture? St. John 5, 19. No prophet or no one else in the Bible ever did do anything without first God showing him. And now, the things he said that I do shall you also. Even more than this shall you do, for I go unto my Father. A little while, and the world sees me no more. Yet you shall see me. The world means the unbelievers. They won't see it. He said, but yet you shall see me, for I'll be with you. And he promised to be in us to the end of the world. Now the Bible said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. You believe that? Well, then if he is the same, he's got to be the same in principle. He's got to be the same in power. He's got to be the same in every way except a corporal body. Is that right? For God raised up his corporal body, sitting on the right hand of God, and sent down the Comforter, which is Christ again, of the Holy Spirit, to minister into his church. And the Bible said that God has set some in the church first, missionaries, second, dearly prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. And then in the nine spiritual gifts is in the church, all to glorify God and to bring the church together. Now, God doesn't die, hasn't died. Now, if I'd pass down the Ganges River or some other place of the heathen lands where the, the night heathenism outnumbers Christianity by the millions and millions. But if I'd pass down, say, to the shrine of Buddha, he died about 2,300 years ago. And if I'd pass by his shrine, and in Japan there they got a great big 30 or 40 foot a statue made of him with great big ruby eyes is worth thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. And it's made out of the teeth and hair and bones of his followers. A statue into Buddha. If I go to that shrine or to his grave, he's laying in the grave. If I go to the shrine of Muhammad, that's the greatest and most popular religion in the world is the Muhammad. Outdoes the Christians by many, many numbers. And if I go to the grave of Muhammad, the white horse has been standing for... Right on 2,000 years, changed about every four hours, waiting for his resurrection. He's dead and in the grave. But there's only one, and that's Christianity, that has a living God. Now, if we only know it in the way of theology, how much comfort can you give the people outside of just what they do? Read, give it to the people. But Jesus, like the Mohammed said to Dr. Reedhead, he said... Won't you renounce that old dead prophet and receive a resurrected Lord Jesus? He said, what can your Lord Jesus do for me any more than my dead prophet? He said, they both wrote books, promised life after death, and we believe it. He said, but our Jesus raised from the dead. He said, did he? I'd like to see you prove it. Oh, he said, we got happiness and joy. And we got the spirit in our heart. He said, look here, sir. He said, Mohammedism can produce just as much psychology as Christianity can. Right. And that's the truth. Yes. But listen. He said this to the Christian. He said, Mohammed never promised nothing after his death but life. After death but life. But your Jesus promised you teachers to do the same thing he did. Now let me see you do that. That's right. So then we'll believe he raised from the dead. Until then, he's no more than our prophet. But thanks be to God. The light is shining. Jesus is raised from the dead. 
He's here tonight. And he'll do the very same thing as he did when he was here on earth. For I'm a false witness of his resurrection. That's a challenge, isn't it? A false witness of his resurrection. I'm standing near many thousand people sitting in this church tonight. And I... And critics and skeptics and atheists and everything else. And there's a lot of saints sitting here too. But don't be afraid. God said so, that settles it. This is either the truth or it's an error. If it's an error, I don't want nothing to do with it. If every word isn't inspired, I don't want nothing to do with it. I wouldn't know which was right and which wasn't. But I know every word's inspired. And you can hang your soul on any phase of it. God will honor it. So if he will come tonight and will perform the same things here on the platform that he did when he was here on earth, will every person in here receive him with joy? Will you do it as you put up your hands to him and say, I will receive him with joy? Our Heavenly Father, now I have spoken of thee, and I pray that you will come now and speak of your servant that I have told the truth to the people. Therefore, if we come back in a year from now, there's many people sitting here, and maybe myself wouldn't be here a year from now, a crowd of this size. Then at the judgment bar, they'll be without an excuse. They'll have to witness that they've seen the Bible live again. So I pray that you'll grant this, not because that we're worthy, we're confessing our unworthiness. And Father, I pray that you'll let your humble servant submit himself and yield himself until the Holy Spirit will take hold. And let every servant in this building yield himself until the Holy Spirit will speak in the audience. And heal the sick and the afflicted, save the lost. For we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to ask you if there would be a critic. This is the divine gift. It's not me. And if there is a critic here, I'm asking you not to stay in the building any longer. I won't be responsible. And if you have to go for the next 15, 20 minutes, go. Don't be moving around. Let's make this a real night of God's presence. And if God will honor us now, I, don't, I can't do this. I just have to ask him and he does it. See, I can't make it. No, sir. He could just leave me flat. That's all I could do. Just stand here. But if he'll come, he'll magnify himself. And the only thing it is, friends... People, some are born with good voices to sing. Do you believe that? Some are born musicians. Just strike the note. They don't have to have any lessons. They know what they're doing. They know it. It's a gift. You know that. And so is it with some as preachers. They don't need no seminary experience. They, all they need is to get out and get a hold of the Word and get going. They're born preachers. They just yield themselves to God and go on. Wish I could do that. But mine is a prophetic gift. I just yield myself and he does the talking. Your faith operates, not mine. Your faith. Now, Jesus didn't do nothing. The Father used the Son. Look here. Let me show you something. The woman had touched his garment. The reason he didn't know it, she believed that he was the Son of God and she pulled from God through Jesus her healing. See? She did that herself. You do it yourself when you're pulling. It's not me. It's not. It's him. And you're disrespecting him. And that's the reason the Holy Spirit turns to you and 
tells you what you should do or what you oughtn't to do and what's happened to you and so forth. That's your own faith doing that. I have nothing to do with it. See? Now, that's the way the people use God's gift. Now, when God wanted to use his gift, he just tucked him up and showed him what was going to happen. There's no virtue lost there. When he seen Lazarus and raised him from the dead, how much greater was that miracle than the woman touched his garment? There was no virtue lost there because the father just used his own gift. Now, when God wants me to know something, he'll say, now you go to a certain place and you'll find this and it'll be that way and this way and so forth. And you do this and it'll be that. Even tell me months and months. Now, I tell the people, how many's know and seen that predicted? Let's see and see it come to pass. Raise your hands. See? See? That's true. He'll tell me that's it. I don't lose any strength there. But when you come into meeting and then just be anointed with that gift and the people goes to pulling, that's what makes you weak. Now, do you understand? So if a critic happens to say something about that, you know how to answer them. Now, be reverent. Be in prayer. And let's see. Where's the boys? Huh? X's. hundred. Well, we've been calling from ones and, and tens and... We've called, uh, never called from what? 50? Well, let's call from 50 tonight then. All right. Who has X50? Would you raise your hand? Your prayer card. Little prayer card in your hand. Got an X on it. Got X50? Well, uh, this man can't have it. This lady too. Now there's somebody. Look, lady, is yours the X50? Now there's three hands up now. X50. Better look on the back. It's a little card. Look. A little card with my picture. And on the back of it, it's got an X and a 50. X, X, like Exodus, what I preached on. X, 50. Everyone has it? Come out. X, 51. All right. And when he was going to heaven, he called his brother Luke and said, Luke, so I understand. I wasn't there. This was told me. He said, Luke, we've been a long ways together, haven't we? But think of it. In five minutes from now, I'll be standing in the presence of Jesus Christ, clothed in his righteousness. Little did he know when I was a little old boy sitting up there at the Rediger Tabernacle, listening to Paul Rader preach that I'd ever pack his song around the world. How many knows the Rediger Tabernacle? Would you hold your hand up? Sure. Romaine, the one that had been in the insane institution so long. One day she come down to my house. I didn't know her to come up from Florida. And they had her back in a coal shed back there, pulling her hair and screaming from an insane institution. B.E. Rediger's daughter, a man who died in a harness for divine healing. Big Fort Wayne Gospel Tabernacle pastor and founder. I thought, B.E. Rediger's daughter in my coal shed. I went back out there. Miss Rediger, a beautiful, lovely lady. She said, Brother Branham, I said, Mrs. Rediger, you don't remember me. As a little boy, I used to come to the temple. She said, we heard that God had visited you, Brother Branham. And said, I brought my child. Said, her sister died in the same thing. And I said, what's the matter? She's sitting there saying, it. nickel is a nickel, penny is a penny. Beautiful young lady, about 18 years old, pulling her hair out like that. And her mother trying to quiet her. I stood there a little bit and my heart was crying. I thought, Rediger's daughter. All at once I saw a vision come over Walked over and laid hands on her. I said, Satan, you can't hold her any longer. God's done pronounced her healing, so you'll leave her. The girl straightened up, combed her hair. She's married and got two children. Right there, right at that time. Jesus Christ still lives and reigns, friend. I never done it. He just showed me what to do, and I did what he told me. 
Isn't he wonderful? I'm waiting from the line, the people up down there at the end of the line, till they can get it done. And then we'll, as soon as they get finished up down there, they'll let me know. See if they get it all lined up. I'm going to try to stay in the line as long as I possibly can. Everybody be real reverent. Be just as quiet as you can. Say, what you stalling about, Brother Branham? I'm waiting for him. <laughs> right. How many seen his picture now? Let's see your hands. We got him back there. Just check in on that and see if that's authentic or not. Or any testimony in one of those books. It has to be authentic or we can't put it in there. So, you be reverent. And God will surely will bless you. I'm, I'm sure of that. And you love him now and you're expecting him? Are you expecting to see him move? How many out there now that didn't get in the prayer line and you want to be healed? I see your hands wherever you are. Look, about, about 2,500 yet. Why can, he's, he's already healed you. You're everyone healed if you can just believe it. That's all. Just to believe it. How many knows that to be the truth? Sure, when he died at Calvary, every, every redemptive blessing was finished at Calvary. So he, you just have to believe, that's all. All right, be reverent now. May the Lord God grant it. Is all the prayer line lined up, Paul? All, all right. Now be real reverent and don't move around. Just sit real still. Be in prayer, each one of you. Now you look this way and believe. You that can't get in the prayer line now. You look this way and believe with all your heart and God will do things for you. And then, then the rest of it is to you. God bless you, I say again. The angel of the Lord is here. I can't tell you why. It's like a, another sense, a sixth sense. I just know that he's standing here, right here. And now when I... Here's a... A woman, or is, which one is the patient? That's, all right. Now, a lady standing here. I don't, you don't know me, I guess, and I don't know you. Now, here to the newcomer, here's a picture of the Bible. Here's a woman standing here that I've never seen in my life, and she never seen me. Now, when Jesus went up to the Samaria, he sat down by the well. Everybody was gone and sent the disciples into the city, and a woman come out, a, a bad woman, to get... Uh, some water and Jesus what did he do asked her for a drink is that right and she told him it wasn't customary for Jews to ask Samaritans such you ever read that story and he said uh, well would you like to have been standing there then wouldn't you like to have been standing there now Jesus was talking to that woman for some purpose he carried a lengthy conversation with her and all at once the father showed him where her trouble was you remember what her trouble was? She'd been married too many times. So Jesus said to her, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any. He said, that's right. He said, you got five. And the one you have now is not your husband. Well, what did she say back? She said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Is that what she said? She said, now we know that when the Messiah cometh, he'll do these things. Was that the sign of the Messiah then? To the Samaritans? It was a sign of the Messiah to the Jews. And if he's the same Messiah raised from the dead, would it be the same the Messiah sign tonight? Is that right, audience? 
Now the woman can hold her hand that we're strangers to each other. We've never met before. Never seen each other. Now Jesus knows her. He knows all about her. And he ever, all the food she ever eat and everything else, he give it to her. And you too. Is that right? Me. Now, it has to be something. If something is told, the woman might be here. She might have domestic trouble. She may have something else. I don't know. But whatever it is she's here for would perhaps be the easiest thing to find because that's what she's here for. But me never seen her in my life. There'll have to be some supernatural something to it. Then it's your attitude towards what it is. Now, the Pharisees told Jesus when he did that, said, you're Beelzebub, the chief fortune teller. Jesus said, you'll be forgiven. I'll forgive you. But when the Holy Ghost comes and does the same thing, he'll never forgive you. In this world, the world will come. So I'd, I'd be real sure that I believed in what before I let him say anything to me. Because the Bible said, go ye and sin the more, that's disbelieve, or a worse thing come upon you. That is right, isn't it? I'm talking to you like he did to her, just to catch your spirit. And if God will tell me what you're standing there for, would you believe him? You will. Will the audience believe the same thing everyone else? Now, if you want to question the woman, you're at liberty. The Holy Spirit tells me that you got a throat trouble. That's right. And he tells me also that you're extremely nervous. He tells me you got a lady's trouble, a female trouble. And you got something wrong with your mouth, too. Is that right? He tells me you're not from this country. He tells me you're from Tennessee. Your name is Turner. James Turner. Mrs. James Turner. Your house, you live on... This third and North Street. Your house number is two two three, isn't it? You're healed. Go back home. That's up to you now. It's up to you. I don't know you. But you're suffering, and if I'll explain to you by the Holy Spirit, by a divine gift, what you're here for, will you believe? You will. I could take lots of time, but I'd never get that prayer line through. But just to talk to you, I've asked him to let me stay as long as I can. But you're, one thing, you're extremely nervous. That's right. And I noticed you're trying to get out of a bed. You're stiff. You got arthritis. That's right. Leaning to things, especially early in the morning. I see you get them going. You drop things too. Uh, at dropping. I see you drop dishes and things like that. That's right. I'm not reading your mind. That's true. Here, you might know this. You got a friend that's real, real sick with a cancer. You're standing far too. Is that right? You believe me to be his prophet? 
You, uh, you mean this spirit that's speaking is the spirit of God? Then Jesus said, These signs shall follow them. Believe if they lay their hands on the sick, they'll get well. Yes. Now, Heavenly Father, I obey your commandments by laying hands upon this woman in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Go and receive what you've asked for. Now, look around this way again. You know your arthritis is gone. <laughs> now, I just ask the audience, don't you feel free from it? I do. It's much freer. You hear that, do you? She's healed. You believe God? You believe me as his servant? I'm a stranger to you also, I suppose. Now, you went to the audience just a moment. Be reverent. Sir, sitting out there at the end of the row, got epilepsy. You believe Jesus Christ make you well? You accept it and believe it? Pray and ask God? God will give you your desire if you can believe it. Lady, got a lot of spiritual troubles, haven't you? And you got somebody on your mind you're wanting to pray for. And here's what it is. I believe it's your mother-in-law. Some relative to you or something has got, to, has got a kidney trouble. And uh, you got yourself. You have some kind of a, a skin trouble and a breaking out. And you've been very nervous and upset. Jesus Christ can make you well if you'll just believe him. Believe with all your heart. Will you do it? Yes. You believe that Jesus Christ will heal you? Yes. You, you did have. You don't have now. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Let's say praise the Lord. I've seen a man appear before me. When I mentioned that just a few seconds ago. You're just sitting right down in here. Suffering also with a skin trouble. You believe, sir, that the Lord Jesus will make you well? You can believe with your heart. Yes, sir. All right. Wave your hand way up high to God so God can see you. See, He was healed then, sir. Have faith. If I told you you healed that chest trouble, would you believe it, sir, sitting there? All right. It's all over now. Isn't he wonderful? He's sure to make well if you just believe. There he goes right back there. A lady sitting at the end there. You got something wrong with your eyes. Eye trouble. That's right. Lay your hand on that man next to you. diabetes and God will make him well too. Hallelujah. That lady sitting right back behind that hand up there has got cancer. If you believe that God will heal you, all right, you can have it also. You can believe. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, he's counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, the everlasting father. Don't you believe that? 
Now for all meager, the beginning and the end, he that was, which is, and shall come, the root and offspring of David, the morning star. He's here. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. Now when he speaks, answer quickly. See? Trying to believe, aren't you? Well, if I told you you were healed, would you believe it? You are. Because I don't often believe it all your heart. How do you do, sir? We're strangers to each other. Maybe it's in the state. I live in Martinville. You live in Martinville. I said we're strangers to each other. We don't know one another. You want you want to be healed of that rectal trouble and get well? You believe God, the Holy Spirit, is sure revealing this to me? I'll tell you something else. You've got someone in a hospital you're praying for, too. Yes. That's a granddaughter. Yes. In a mental hospital, a child. Isn't that right? Yes. You believe me to be God's prophet? Yes. All right. Go and receive what you've asked for now. In the name of the Lord. Let's say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How do you do, sir? I'm a stranger to you, sir. But Jesus Christ knows you, doesn't he? You got heart trouble. That's right. You got trouble with your eyes, too. You're here. Your wife has trouble, too, doesn't she? Her trouble's in her throat, isn't it? And in her eyes, also. You're from Indiana. You feel Indiana to be right? Her name is Debbie Chamberlain, isn't it? Return home and be well in Jesus Christ. Have faith. What if I told you you were healed sitting there? Would you believe me? You would? Then go praising God and saying, thank the Lord for it. Don't doubt nothing in your heart. Have faith now. The Holy Spirit's over the audience. How do you do, sir? Oh, my. I wish, I, I just wish there was some way I could explain this. How glorious, how glorious. Scared, aren't you? Especially scared to go to a doctor. <laughs> how do I know that? Because you, you're afraid he's going to find something in your stomach that ain't right. That's stomach trouble. You believe that he'll heal you? Yes. You do? Will you accept him as your healer now? You've got to have it if you lay aside to be better for you. That's what hurts your stomach. You believe that? And don't use them no more. Throw the things away. That nicotine goes down into your stomach. And it'll, it'll ruin you, keep your stomach trouble all the time. God don't want you to smoke them. So lay them away. Go on your road and rejoice. Will you forsake them now? Yes. God bless you. Go and be healed in Jesus Christ. You believe Jesus heals you? You believe he makes you well right now? Heart trouble, everything done, gone, all your nervousness settled. You believe that? Then in the name of Jesus Christ, receive your healing. Amen. Let's say thanks be to God. Thanks be to God.
diabetes and things is easy. God can just make anybody well if they believe it. Do you believe it with all yes. your heart? Do you believe it will leave you right now? Yes. And then in the name of Jesus Christ, may you receive your healing. Amen. Thank you. Let's say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How wonderful our precious, glorious Heavenly Father is. There it moves. Forget about the tumor, sir. Left you. Amen. This lady here on the end had tumor also. Yes, that's right. Raise up your hand so the people see. They think the people's not getting it. I feel when I see it turns light around you. I see it's gone. See? Will you do me a favor? Put your hand on that boy behind you suffering with stomach trouble. That young lad. Isn't that right, little laddie? Raise up your hand if that's sir. That's your mother sitting next to you, isn't it? She's got a rupture she wants to be healed of also. That's right. Now, Sonny, you lay your hand on Mother. Amen. I go on your road rejoicing. You no trouble and things gone from you. You go rejoicing. You'll be happy. You believe it? Let's say praise the Lord. That's right. You believe it's your heel now? Then in Jesus Christ's name, go and be made well. Let's say praise the Lord. God can heal stomach cold and everything else. You believe that, don't you? You don't go eat now? You believe you could? Go ahead. Jesus Christ. Just a moment. I see the black spirit rise from the bank. There's somebody standing back there at the end of the line. A young person's got epilepsy. You believe with all your heart? Raise up your hand if you believe that you want to accept your healing. All right? Then the Lord Jesus be with you. Paul oh, Satan thought he'd get by with that, but he failed it. <laughs> Amen. He was healed. Praise the Lord. Go on your road rejoicing, sister. Believing God with all your heart. Here's the mute. Bow your head, everybody. Don't nobody look up, please. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed. Everywhere. I ask in Jesus' name the curses of God to... If you believe... You better keep your head down. I want to ask you, how many believes that God sent me that this mute could speak in here? Will you raise your hand? Now put your hands down. I don't want no one, no one to watch me. I don't say he will. I've never sincerely prayed for anything but what he did. It. So I want you to be, or tell me why he couldn't. This would be a sign to these others sitting here. I don't say he will, but it's a spirit. I just see it move once you, this girl walked up here. Now every eye closed till you hear my voice. Say, raise your head. Now you wait till you hear my voice. Now keep your head bowed. Kind Heavenly Father, somehow in thy wise province, we trust that we'll find grace in your sight, not that we have to have miracles to believe. We believe anyhow. 
but that this company of people might know that it's you here and not I, your servant. If we found grace in your sight, we pray, God, that you'll manifest your power to even the critics tonight and unbelievers, that they might know that you're Christ and you live and I've testified of truth. Will you grant this, Lord? Now, as I go forward to challenge this deaf and dumb spirit that's possessed this girl, I pray that you'll give me strength. Not one bit of doubt in my heart. A lovely young woman like this walking in this condition. Satan, shame on you. Jesus Christ rebuked thee. I know you claim a privilege. I claim victory from Calvary. I claim you have no right to hold her. You're exposed. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who I represent, you tried to keep them all back, but you failed. Now I challenge thee in a duel of faith in Jesus Christ's name to leave the girl. Come out of her. She can be made well. Raise your hand. This mute is speaking and hearing. Watch here. Mama. Mama. Hear me? Hear me? You're healed. You're healed now. Rejoice. If anybody's with her teacher to speak and hear, the spirit of the deaf and dumb spirit just left her, and she just has to be taught like a child. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's praise the Lord, everybody. Living praise. Living Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee tonight for the Lord Jesus. Surely, Lord, You're all omnipotent, all-powerful. Move on these people and let them know that this is you, Lord, that's a moving among the people, the great Jehovah they have trusted. Let the sinner know that he's guilty now in the presence of God. Now, with your heads bowed, I'm going to ask you something while the audience is praying. Sinner friend, God has did all things well this week. He's brought the paralytics out. He makes the deaf to speak. Deaf and dumb to speak in here, rather. Are you a sinner? Are you without Christ? Do you believe in the ministry that I'm preaching? And you believe me as God's prophet? He tells me right now to stop this prayer line for a few minutes. That there's many people that wants to be saved. I'm not a fanatic. God has already claimed that, showed that to you, that I'm not. And somehow or another, my strength, instead of depleting, it's renewing. And I'm... I feel good. I want to know, my sinner friend, if you'll just raise up your hand to Christ just now and say, by this, Brother Branham, I ask you to pray for me as a sinner. I want to meet God in peace. Will you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Someone else, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How many here is without Christ, without being born again? Raise your hands. God bless you. 
If you believe he hears my prayer, do you really believe it? Every person in here that desires me to pray for you, for your salvation, if you're wayward, a little twisty in your salvation, you're not sure yet that just you're right with God, better be sure, friend. You better be sure. I'm telling you now, there's something in my heart's heavy just at this time telling me that there's many here that isn't sure. How, you, surely you realize that I'm telling you the truth. Will you stand to your feet, those who desire me to pray for you in this manner? Would you stand to your feet just now? God bless you. God bless you. That's right. Just remain standing just a minute. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's right. Sinner friend. Backslider. Raise up. Just keep raising up. There's more than that. Just keep raising up. Stand up. Just keep remain standing, if you will, just for a few minutes. I have prayer with you. God be with you. God be with you. God be with you. That's wonderful. Some more, Stan. I wonder if I could shake your hand. I wonder if it'd be too much. Would you like to walk right down here just a minute? Walk right down here, would you? Come here just a minute. Let's stand here for a word of prayer. Come right here. I don't know what I'm doing this far. I've never done it in my life. But the Holy Spirit, come all, everywhere you are. Come right down this way, will you? Stand right around the altar here a minute. Just look, come in here. Give us a yes, praise God. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins where sinners plunge beneath the flood lose all their guilty stain. That's right. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll send every person with condemnation in their soul up to this altar tonight. God, they realize they've made a mistake. They made the, they've made a start and heaven went on. God, I pray that you'll send them around tonight. Let this be a real outpouring just now. Grant it, Lord. If you'll open the ears of the deaf and make the dumb to speak and the blind to see, the lame to walk and know the secrets of the heart, I knew you were telling me truth, Lord, when you told me a great host is waiting to come. I thank you, and I pray that you'll grant this to them now through Christ's name. While the rest of us sing this hymn, let every condemned soul come this way, will you? I'll promise you, I'll promise you that it's God speaking to me. Was I right or wrong? Look at here. Yes. I, I, he never tells anything wrong. There is a fountain filled with blood. All right. There is a fountain. Here it is. Come on. With blood drawn from Emmanuel's and sin. I'm just as satisfied of that as I'm standing this platform. It's still that feeling just don't let loose to me. See, come on, won't you do it? The dying thief. Rejoice. You might not be a thief, but you may be dying. You are dying. And maybe before morning that heart will stop. And when you're pressing a dying pillow and the pulse coming up your arm, brother, you'll wish you would have come. I feel very strange just now. I don't know why. I, I, 
anyone's ever been in my meetings know I don't do this. But all at once, that weakness left me and I just picked right up. And the Holy Spirit said, look out there. And I seen sinners coming down the aisle. He said, call. I'm doing it. Come on, friend, come on. Believe me as your brother. May I oh my sin. Just bow our head a moment, continue on, sister. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what God's fixing to do. I'm I'm at my end now. But I feel just kind of strange that there's surely another little stray sheep somewhere here. Let me pray just a minute while you bow your heads. Father, I pray that you won't let the people think that I'm just doing this in myself. That they know, Lord, that I... I'm truthful about it. You're, you're testifying the truth of it. And I feel that there's something else, Lord, hanging back. Someone, will you please, dear God, send that person just now? While we have our heads bowed, would you raise your hand whoever you are? Say, it's me, Brother Branham. I just haven't got the courage to come. But I'll raise my hand that it's me. Uh, raise up your hand, someone, ever who that is that God is speaking to. God bless you. That's good. I know it. Come on now. I want you to move down. Over here to this side. God bless you. Move right on over here now. While we sing again, won't you do it? I believe that God's going to pour out here in a few moments something. I don't know where it's going to be a spontaneous healings, whether it's going to be a filling with the Holy Ghost, whether it's going to be a sending forth of a ministry. I don't know, but something's fixing to happen. Remember, I told you. I never felt this. Right in the prayer line. Ask anybody. Here's man's been with me since I was early in the ministry. You've never seen that. It picked up and I feel strong enough. Look like to run a mile. See? Run through a troop and leap over a wall. I never felt that way. Never come back like that. Something started. Something's happened. And I see the vision of people swarming down the aisles with their hands up. And here they are. Just exactly the way it was showed in the vision. Come on, friend. I feel someone else. One more time to sing before we go to prayer. Then is with Won't you come to the fountain? I'll raise my hand to you. Won't you come up here? Join in. Let me join with you in prayer. If God will hear my prayer for the blind and afflicted, won't you hear my prayer? Wash. Oh, my sins huh? oh, my sins away. Praise God, all my sins Oh, how I feel, and there 
ask you something. Do you feel strange? I, I'm not going by feelings, but I'm going by that vision. And something's happened here. I, I believe that if there's anybody crippled or afflicted, I believe you're healed. I, I, something. I believe that every sinner is forgiven. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to baptize this place, illuminate it. Are you ready, people? Are you ready to receive it? Look at the people standing up just automatically. Here it is. Why, it's all over the building everywhere. Oh, God. Our Heavenly Father. Pour the Spirit. I condemn the devil and ask that Jesus Christ. Baptize anew with the Holy Ghost, O oh Lord. 